podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome. It's Steve Bloomers washing the independent Derby County podcast. The Rams are a few games closer to survival, but none of us are getting carried away. And joining me, Chris Parsons, to look back on Derby's last three performances are Eternal Realists' Richard Kutcher. You, you told me before that you've, you haven't drank for a month. Incredible stuff. How are you? Yeah, very stone cold sober, Chris. Uh, so yeah, I'm quite pleased with that over a month. I think the longest I've been since I was 17, at least since uh, we've been doing this pod, I think. So yeah, all, all well, uh, very fit and healthy and sleeping very well indeed. Absolutely remarkable. And uh, Tom Martin, oi oi, how are you doing? Uh, very good. I'm drinking Kutcher's share of the ale, so we can tell that he's moved out of my house for sure. That's good to hear. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, good, good fortnight, fellas. Two weeks have passed, but... I don't really feel like that much has changed for us as as Derby fans uh, or as as people. Um, Lockdown's still nowhere near being over, really. Uh, We're essentially still stuck in a relegation scrap despite recent results. I have moved house, actually, so there is that. But how are you both feeling about our chances of avoiding relegation after recent results? Yeah, I think I think you're right, Chris. Not a lot has changed because I think when we last spoke, it was before the Rotherham game, which obviously was a was a low point in the season, losing three uh, nil away to that that postponed Rotherham fixture. Um, but before before that, I thought you know we had turned a corner to some degree. We'd started winning a few games. Um, we weren't particularly convincing, but we were winning the battle. We know this team is limited, and we saw that again tonight, which we'll come on to. But they can be hard to beat. Um, and they can put a shift in, which, to be honest, looking at the teams around us uh, and the teams below us particularly, is probably going to be enough for this Derby team. But uh, I expect more of the same for the rest of the season, to be honest. Yeah, I've been enjoying the uh, the North Downs during lockdown, lots of walks in, uh, in and around the uh, Kent countryside, which has been very pleasant. And uh, I also celebrate my birthday on Tuesday. So happy birthday to me. I'm expecting lots of presents <laughs> from, our, from our listeners. Tom, I'll happily say to you now, I will buy you a pint for your birthday when the pubs reopen. How does that sound? Sometime in 2020, 2024. Uh, so this pod is being put together just minutes after Derby's uh, 2-1 defeat at Vicarage Road to Watford, uh, leaving them 17th in the championship at the time of recording, at least, with a game in hand and all the teams below us due to play this weekend. So still very much liable to change. We're still far from safe, clearly, but survival is still undoubtedly in our hands, as it always has been, to be fair. Um, so what's new since we last spoke to you about Derby County? Well, Kazim has laid down his mark of the goal of the season with that rasper against Borough. Uh, when it's a crucial three points last week at Adams Park, thanks to an injury time winner from, um, checking my notes, Andre Wisdom, it says here. <laughs> and uh, we'll have a chat about all of those key moments, as well as a word on a certain Richard Keogh from the Huddersfield camp ahead of the Terriers visit next week. And of course, your standard quiz nonsense towards the end as well. But uh, don't forget, Steve Bloomer's washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company. 
Derby's original craft brewer. So do check those guys out if you can. Watford then, Kutch. A game, I mean, it's, it's interesting that our results are at least now uh, going in the way that they should do. We are at least now losing to teams that we probably should do at the top of the league and beating teams in and around us. Whereas for about the past two months, we've beaten teams towards the top of the division and failed to beat teams uh, around us who we should have done. Um, Watford were clearly a very good side. It was just a game too far, I would say, against a promotion-chasing team with plenty of Premier League quality. Uh, Sky told us that they've now picked up more points at home than any other team in the league this season. I think it's about 38, which is more points than Derby have in total. Uh, but a seventh away league defeat of the season, but only a fifth defeat in 17 league games under Rooney's management, either as sole manager or uh, or interim manager with Rossini and co. Cutch at half time, it looked like damage limitation, didn't it? So looking at it with the glass half full perspective, I think you'd have to say it's credit to Derby's newfound confidence and resilience that we, we didn't crumble and we ran a very solid Watford side, pretty close on their own patch in the last few minutes. Yeah, it's a really, really strange game, actually, I thought. But, you know, when those two goals go in in very, very quick succession, um, and, yeah, there were a couple of a couple of small errors, I think, in those goals. Uh, a little bit of fortune as well for Watford, but there was some quality as well. The pace from Saar, uh, the finish from, from one Will Hughes as well. Um, but when those two goals went in in quick succession, you, you did fear the worst and... and Watford were a cut above when it came to the quality in the final third and building up the play and creating chances and keeping the ball. Derby couldn't really keep hold of the ball in the Watford half at all in that first half. And uh, But, you know, just towards the end of that first half, I thought we started to get a small foothold, obviously the disallowed goal, which was an absolute travesty because Andre Wisdom did absolutely nothing wrong. It was a textbook example of a goalkeeper buying a, buying a free kick after making a hash of the corner previously. Um, I just got the feeling that if we could be a bit more direct in the second half and get balls into the box, we really would cause some trouble. And that's that's exactly what happened. But you look at the statistics, we had zero shots on target. Um, we actually had 10 corners to Watford's three, which is strange, considering we had zero shots on target. And and that was where we looked most dangerous was, was from balls into the box. And you're right, the, the kind of the, the fight and the battle and the determination um, and some of the basics have just have just been done to a level now, which means Derby are, are staying in games. You know, Rotherham aside, we're, we're staying in games and competing. And if we had nicked a point right at the end, I don't think it would have been a complete uh, injustice on, on Watford if we had clawed our way back into that. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with too much you've said there, Kutch. I think a, a point would have been a fair result. I think Derby battled without really creating too much. But then again, um, apart from a mad three minutes in the middle of the first half, Mildred Watford, I, I don't remember Marshall having a big touch in, or a big save to make in the game. And um, in fact, the the touch map, I think, on the, uh, in the at the end of the first half showed Kazim Richards having the fewest touches with four. Martin Raghorn with nine and David Marshall between them with five in the first half after 43 minutes. So it shows how little we were actually under pressure and then how unfortunate we were certainly with the first goal and how frustratingly poor the some of the defending was for the second goal. I don't think Edmondson got out quick enough and that played them all onside uh, and allowed Watford to recycle the ball. So Derby would have deserved a point, I think, tonight um, and we can hold our head high, heads high and move on to hopefully an easier fixture. And if we play like that on Tuesday against Huddersfield, then we, we should... We should get at least a point. Tom, I mean, there are moments when you you know you play teams 
in the championship who've just been relegated from the Premier League when it's easy to forget that a lot of them do still have Premier League quality. And uh, Watford's first goal in the game we just watched was a prime example of that with what Ismail Assar did to uh, Lee Buchanan, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous pace from, I was just saying to Tom before we started, that it looked like Buchanan had, you know, had him covered, actually. And then over the space of two, maybe three yards, Saar gains a yard of, gains a yard on Buchanan and puts the ball across. It was incredible pace from Saar. You very rarely see that difference over just a few yards. And then, you know, Andre Wisdom's quite unlucky. Uh, he, he goes to clear the ball. It's, it's hard enough for David Marshall when the ball's been played across the goal, cut back like that to spin and get across the goal anyway. When it then goes off off a, off a deflection after your defenders kind of semi-cleared it, it's even harder. So I was impressed that Marshall even got close close to it. I don't think he had a chance. So it was unfortunate. And then I think there was a, a lapse of concentration, as Edmund said, regarding that regarding that second goal. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think anyone can blame Marshall. I've seen a couple of bits on Twitter where Marshall's been blamed for that first goal. I mean, Wisdom clears the ball against Jao Pedro's trailing leg. It's not even it's not even into his body. So Jao Pedro has no idea where that ball is going, and it flies into into the middle of the goal. And Marshall's like completely beaten. Um, and I say the fact he almost gets a hand to it to keep it claw it back out is, is pretty impressive. So, um, but yes, Sars pace all night was was really dangerous. And I thought Buchanan actually had a pretty decent game trying to keep a hand, handle on him. You're dealing with a really high quality player and Buchanan's been praised by Rooney for for how well he's been playing and how well he's been training. And uh, he's mentioned that like, England and stuff like that, which is a long, long way away for him. But you can see that he's going to be capable of dealing with high quality players who are having a good night. And that's exactly what Sar had. And Buchanan didn't look out of place there against a really top quality player. Um, for the second goal, just really disappointing like to, to see that the Derby back line pushed up and Edmondson was five or six yards behind them. If if he'd have been in line, the, the, the players that receive the ball when it comes back in, I think it's Cleverly that receives it, who lays the flick off for Will Hughes. Um, Cleverly would have been two or three yards offside. So it's just it's just poor play. And for me, Edmondson doesn't look like a, a real quality championship centre-half. He, he's... Um, he looks a little bit behind the pace, but he'll he'll do as a stopgap for now. But uh, but a bit disappointed with him tonight. I mean, he he had glimpses. I think uh, you know he's he's clearly got the um, you know some physical attributes, like you know putting a couple of decent headers. He he looks to like he wants to spread spread the ball around. Like he, he looks like he wants to distribute it out to the fullbacks, which is encouraging. And he he looks like he wants to break through the lines and, and push forward and and move upfield, which is something. But yeah, so you mean, but maybe. If he had to give him a bit of credit, or maybe that is just because lack of game time. Like he'd only played a handful of games for for Rangers before he came to us. Like, do you think it's do you think it's sort of rustiness with Edmondson, or or do, do you stand by the fact that you're just not quite sure he's got the quality in the first place? Uh, yeah, I think okay. So he has got a bit of rustiness. He's played. I think he played seven games for Rangers before he joined us, um, and then he's he's thrust into it because of an injury to Clark. Um, so there is rustiness. Does play an element to it, but equally. I stand by my comments. I mean, I, I I want to spray the ball around the park when I play football, Chris, and I can't do it because I'm not good <laughs> enough. So, I, yeah, fine. He he's in there and he's doing a job, but long term, no, he's not. He's not for me. Um, he gives the ball away way too easily. The amount of times that he went to play the ball down the line and it was aimlessly pumped forward. Uh, the amount of times that he received the ball and then looked backwards and didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he did find himself in the left wing wing position in the last sort of few minutes with Buchanan. And there's a frustrating sort of element where you could see Buchanan passing the ball to him and then holding to wait for the time to run. And then he gave the ball straight back to him. It's like, just hold on to the ball for, for two seconds and allow Buchanan to make the run and slip him in. 
And then Buchanan did make the run and he didn't slip a minute at all. He tried to put a cross into the box, which actually ended up on Usviak's foot. Um, and it didn't sort of come to anything apart from a, a corner in the end. But I'm not, not necessarily blaming him for that left wing play. But I just think as a centre half, I thought he looks off the pace. And I didn't think he looked great in the second half against Wickham. I thought he was found out and perhaps fortunate not to concede a penalty uh, for a clumsy looking tackle. I think he did win the ball, but it didn't look clean at all. And I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's at the same level as Matt Clark and Andre Wisdom. So so yeah, I will stand by my comments. Disappointingly then, uh, Derby could and should have been back in the game at half time. I'm, I'm happy to announce that Derby are now an absolute menace from corners. That's that's <laughs> that's a nice little change. Um and when Colin Cousin Richards bundled in that header, Kutch, could you see anything on first glance to suggest what we did wrong there? Um that Manage should have been disallowed? I mean you you touched on it before. It it looks like Andre Wisdom is just um A facing away from the goalkeeper, B not really moving and see the keeper makes a hash of it having having fluffed a corner before. Like it just seemed the ref completely bottled that one. Yeah, unless unless suddenly you're not allowed to stand in the six yard box within two or three yards of the goalkeeper. I don't know what else Andre Wisdom could have done not to concede a free kick there. The goalkeeper jumps into him. It's plain and simple. The goalkeeper jumps into him. Um and that's I think that's all there is to it. I mean I think a great run from Kazim Richards. He loses his man uh, from the set piece. Another great ball into the box as well from a corner, which is really great to see. God knows how many times we've seen Derby take awful corners. Uh, we look for it every time. And I, yeah, I don't know what the, the referee's saying. I saw someone, it was a Loftus, uh, a QPR account, I think retweeted by 11 points, one win on Twitter saying that, um, is it Drysdale, uh, the referee, or something like that? Um, he said that he always gives free kicks in favour of the goalkeeper, and, and uh, teams should know that by now and not even risk uh, risk giving him away. Which is, which you know, if that's true, and and, and this guy studied the referees every uh, every performance, and that's an interesting way to live your life. But I don't know why, I don't know why that's a trend for a, for a referee. But it, it wasn't a foul; it should have been a goal, and it should have it could have been a different game if he'd gone in at two one. A real pivotal moment in the in the game, and it was Tim Robinson, the referee, who who gave the free kick. Um, and actually, Tom Cleverley lived up to his name, unlike uh, a certain politician by the name of James Cleverley. Uh, and he cleverly <laughs> annihilates the referee in the previous corner for not giving a foul against himself and Will Hughes and the and the goalkeeper who jumps out and I think punches himself in the face and ends up flat on his back. And they tried everything to make it look like it was a free kick. In the first first instance, it wasn't. Derby were in the second corner. As soon as the ball came into the box, the referee was blowing for, for a foul. It, it was very much reminiscent of, uh, of Stuart Atwell in less controversial circumstances this time, um, not giving the goal against Forrest because he was so eager to put the whistle into his mouth and to try and ease the pressure on himself. A, a poor, poor decision. And I thought the referee was was a bit poor for both sides. He gave he gave free kicks when he didn't need to and didn't allow the advantage to go for Watford a couple of times. Uh, and for for Derby, he obviously made a, a couple of couple of mistakes and a few bookings for a few players because of the the reactions of Watford players rather than because of what actually happened in front of him. So um, disappointing for me. It wasn't a foul. Uh, goalkeepers union even uh, membership. I think would be handing that back to uh, to Backman for this shocking attempt to try and punch the ball away from a corner. Yeah, you talk about game management, don't you? And maybe, I don't know, I, I can only speculate, but maybe Watford looked out of that. Maybe they looked at the fact that we really target corners as a way of scoring now. And maybe they just sort of said, look, we need to do whatever it takes to 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 get 
the ref to blow up on these corners to 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 make him blow in our favour. I don't know. Um, it's just one way of looking at it. But yeah, since we last spoke, Derby are now fielding a, a, a very much a, a refreshed team. Um, there is Edmondson at the back who who played the whole game, of course, after signing from Rangers on loan and uh, Patrick Roberts, who has signed on loan as well. Lee Gregory in the mix too. Um what have you made of the, uh, the the new faces, the new additions? I think Patrick Roberts is the one that maybe frustrated me a bit tonight because we saw in glimpses against Wickham that he uh, he's got a great touch. He can like drift between challenges. He can um, he can like come come inside, like pick little pockets and sort of look to get into positions where he can thread in the striker or or shoot from the edge of the area uh, or like find an overlapping wing back. Uh, or fullback, but tonight he his game was almost a little bit too predictable. Like you, you want to see the wide man in that three, like get to the byline, get crosses in, find Kazim Richards, give the centre back something to think about, like give them something to defend. And it's unfortunate that he didn't really do that against Watford, did he, Kutch? No, he didn't. It was you know it was disappointing because he he did have an impact against Wickham, and yeah, the, there's a difference in quality of opposition there, of course, which might explain some of that. But also, I thought that. Because of the threat that Watford off, uh, presented going forward, you know the, the the threat on the wings that they have, I think that also stopped our fullbacks from getting forward quite as eagerly. And I think Patrick Roberts really does need an overlapping right back, and Byrne does do that a lot, and he did do it more in the second half. But in that first half, particularly, um, uh, Roberts just he couldn't really hold on to the ball. He wasn't getting the ball in, as he said, he'd go down a cul-de-sac and lose it. He kind of it was the opposite of his display when he came off the bench against Wigan uh, against Wickham when we were on the front foot a lot more. And I think he's the kind of player that is going to benefit when we're dominating the ball more and we're on the front foot. Um, look, we as we as we were talking about earlier tonight, Derby's got a long history, a recent history of of wingers with frustrating end products. And um, look, let's not write anyone off or call them the Messiah after one and a half games, but. It wasn't a great performance from from Patrick Roberts tonight. Um, there is obviously a really skillful player there. Um, we just need to get him on the ball in the right in the right positions, and he needs to you know make some better decisions when he's when he's in those positions. Tom, the uh, coach mentioned the Wickham game there, of course, famously settled by Andre Wisdom's first ever league goal for Derby. Um, I think when we when we look back on this season in a couple of years and we look back on how we experience games together and we are we are hopefully doing a little, a little bit for the uh, for Rampage the club magazine about what games have been like in lockdown. But when we look back on it a couple of years, I think we'll look back on that game, won't we, as as one of the big moments that we enjoyed together on Zoom. Um it was just <laughs> it was just really weird because Kutch had it and he was screen sharing it with us. So when the goal went in, um, there was like a sort of conga line of celebration, like Kutch celebrated first and a second later I celebrated. And then because your Wi-Fi is appalling, then you celebrated about three seconds after that. It was just a, <laughs> a surreal moment, wasn't it? It was a bit like being at the actual game. Normally it's me celebrating first because I think everything's going in. And then it's you celebrating, Chris, because you actually are a realist and only wait until the ball's hit the back of the net. And then Kutch is normally not looking or he's looking at some girl over the other side. And then, <laughs> then he celebrates. <laughs> some girl. <laughs> Scandalous, but I'll give it. Um. But yeah, it was. I mean, the thing that I, I thought about the Wickham game was the fact that what absolute limbs that would have been in the away end in the 93rd minute, having travelled 
travelled down there um, to to score and score so late. Sort of been thinking, oh, I need to get the tra- the last train back or something like that. And it's a half hour walk back to the station. Do I go early or do I not? And then like sticking around for that and Waghorn's free kick hitting the post and wisdom wisdom burying it like fantastic. That would have been would have been great. You love an early exit from a game, Tom. I'm I'm willing to say that right now. So I think there's a fair chance you would have missed that goal. Because you, 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 you love an early exit from a game and you hate missing trains home. I'm, I'm, I'm going di- to dispute that strongly because I think there's only ever been three games I've left early. I don't Brighton mind away. Them, yeah, Brighton away because we were 3-0 down and I was with my mate and went to watch the rugby. Northampton Town against Barnet in 1994 and I don't remember the third one. Half time, <laughs> I'll give you that, Chris. I'll give you it. <laughs> Villa, Villa away under Lampard. Didn't you want to go home at half time and get a train back from Birmingham yes, to London did, yeah, at yeah, like yeah. quarter past four? Yeah, because we couldn't string two passes together. We were four 0 down. Like, why do I want to pay? Why do I want to watch that? I'd have gone to the almost pub got, and sat in the pub. I almost got in a fight with Derby fans in the stairwell at halftime in that match. Bloody mm-hmm. hell, it was horrendous. I was still there in the ninety-third minute, though, Chris. I wanted to go home, and I want. Well, actually, I wanted to go to the pub, and I, you wouldn't let me. So I only because I guilt tripped you to stay because you had my train ticket, and I didn't want you to leave. But anyway, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, yeah, it's great, wasn't it? And you're completely right. It would have been absolutely biblical in that away end uh, which I definitely would have been there for um, but overall Kutch it was probably the worst game one of the worst games of football I've seen this season if not in the last 10 years of my life I think it was an absolute shocker wasn't it yeah it wasn't great I mean I, I can think of there was, there's been lots of rubbish games this season boys like it's easy to always say the last one was the worst or the last one was the best there was a, a lot of shockers this season at least we won that one and uh, you know, it, it had. We all knew what it was going to be when we went into it. You saw the the land of the giants, which which Rain really picked as the, as the back four. Uh, you know, dropping Buchanan and Burn, or resting them, or rotating them out, however you want to say it. Um, but you know, we got the job done. And and as we said before, we haven't got the job done. Those are the games we have been dropping points in in the last couple of months against teams around us, against the Rotherhams and Barnsleys, etc. So. Um, look, we we needed to we needed to get yeah. If we'd lost to Wickham, we would have been dragged right back into it again, and we're not out of it. But it would have been horrendous if we'd lost to Wickham, particularly after living, uh, losing to Rotherham just a couple of games before. So we battled, we got the win. I, I know that it was a bit of a shit house, and you could say we we're lucky to get the win. That's probably true. But Colin Kazi Richards did miss an absolute sitter of a header just a few minutes before, and we were getting in and around their box more in that last ten minutes. So while uh, as Antoine and I discussed on the verdict straight afterwards, we were fortunate not to have conceded a goal before we got our first goal and they could have had uh, another penalty as well. Um, I did think Derby were turning a screw in that last 10 minutes and look, we battled, we got towards the end and, and the quality showed tonight, just like the quality showed for, for Watford tonight. Just before we move on to the uh, to second half of the pod, um, in case you missed it on Twitter, we're up for an award, lads, again, for the second hey. year. In a row, chaps. Uh, we're up for Club Podcast of the Year at the uh, the FSA Awards, the Football Supporters Association. Uh, we're up last year, but we, uh, we lost to Fulham, as usual. Um, but we're up for it again. We are up for, for the award in that category. We're up against podcasts from, off the top of my head, Charlton, Wickham, uh, Man City, and Leeds and Norwich. The reason I'm mentioning this is A, to show off, obviously, but B, um, we need your vote. It's a public vote this year. Normally, it's a panel of judges, but this year it is simply public vote. And let's be honest, there's at least two clubs in that category who are a bit bigger than us. So we need every vote that we can get to try and bring home the bacon 
on that one. Um, so if you enjoyed the podcast, if you like Steve Bloomer's washing, give us a vote, will you? Do us a favor. Um, you can do it by heading over to the FSA website. It's thefsa.org.uk forward slash news. That's thefsa.org.uk forward slash news. And then scroll down on that page and you'll see a little uh, little article where you can find the nomination form. And in that, you can select Steve Bloomer's Washing in Club Podcast of the Year. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. This time he slipped it into Pearson. Pearson goes for the early ball. Dickoff can keep it in here. Come back for Hulse! Great goal! What a finish from Hulse! And Derby lead! All right then, well, um, yeah, it was defeat against Watford then, but before that, back-to-back victories again, after those uh, three victories in a row before that, um, which made it five and six, and uh, which briefly made Derby the form team in the championship, uh, which we probably won't be after this weekend. But that 2-1 victory over Middlesbrough came lads, with a goal that I'm probably going to say was comfortably the best we've scored this season. Granted, the bar is pretty low because we haven't scored very many goals at all. And the ones we have scored haven't been very good. Um, but yeah, CKR, I'm going to say it. I had him down as a bit of a tap-in merchant. I've got to be honest. I don't think he'd scored many goals from further out than about three yards. But when he gets that layoff, one touch out his feet and then bang, four goalkeepers wouldn't have saved that, Richard Kutcher. <laughs> four four goalkeepers of, of of me and Tom wouldn't have saved that though. No. Um uh yeah, it was ridic- it was a ridiculous strike. He hit it so hard. Um it's one of those I think I've said a few times that when I watch it on on Rams TV, it's always quite a bit behind. And I think my BBC Sport alert had come through before, but I always don't look at it, so I don't see who scored or as in which team has scored. Um and so and it was the goal was the ball was right down the, the other end of the pitch. Uh, in the borough, in the, you know, borough end, and uh, when the build-up was really good, it's actually a really good team goal. Even before uh, Kazim Richards absolutely smashed it in, and uh, yeah, you don't get many. It was only a few weeks ago, Chris, wasn't it, that you were tweeting a compilation of goals off the underside of the bar, and that one, that one goes right to the top. Definitely, that's flying right in. Tom, what do you make of it? Goal of the season so far? Oh, it's an absolute thunder bastard! What a what a strike that was. There, nice little touch on Gregory, and and actually thwacked into the get into the back of the net. So yeah, four, five, six goalkeepers, if that was possible, wouldn't have saved that one. Great strike. And as you say, Chris, I've had him down as a t- tap-in kind of guy, but, um, but yeah, brilliant goal. Fantastic stuff. Well, um, on Tuesday then, on to the next one, and uh, it's going to be Huddersfield at home, who, of course, turned us over 1-0 at their place earlier in the season, very early in the season, actually. Um, but the tables have definitely turned since then, it's fair to say. Derby... In decent form, despite losing to Watford, whereas Town are just sinking like an absolute stone. Uh, only two points in 2021 from uh, eight games. Now definitely, definitely looking over their shoulder, um, despite the arrivals of that certain Richard Keogh and uh, more recently Dwayne Holmes. Um, so anyway, to have a bit of chat about that game and uh, and those two players in particular, we had a chat to Dan from the uh, Huddersfield Town podcast, and he takes that chance. And uh, here's what Dan told us ahead of the game next week. Dan, thanks for giving us your time. I'll start by asking you the question that we get asked a lot on our podcast, the title of yours, and he takes that chance. Um, I'm aware of the origin myself because I was actually at the game 
in question myself in person. We're talking about this before, but can you just fill our listeners in on, on the meaning of that one? Yeah, it's basically the uh, the commentary from the playoff final um, from when, when Schindler slotted home the winning penalty. I think the, the full uh, version is uh, Christopher Schindler has the chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town folklore and obviously runs up and strikes and it goes in and you know commentator Andy takes that chance um, so that, that's where it came from originally uh, Got it how many times have you watched that playoff, playoff shootout would you say? Oh too many too many to mention <laughs> um, it's one of those go-to things you know when you when you you know it's like supporting a football team you have those moments where you're, where you're up and when you're down and in down moments it's nice to look back and, and, and watch something like that and, and realise it's not always doom and gloom as it might be in, you know present that's it. Go to your happy place. Well, it's funny you mentioned it. So in terms of the here and now, those were happier times for Bardersfield, of course. But right now, the form table does make quite grim reading for the Terriers. Just uh, two points from eight games since the start of the year. How concerned are our town fans right now? It depends really. It depends on who you speak to. There's quite a big split at the moment. There's, there's teams that think uh, fans, sorry, that think we'll uh, that we'll be all right still and, and don't seem too concerned. And then there's fans that are already resigned to relegation. Um, it's a funny one because we we obviously brought in a new manager right at the start of the season. Carlos Carbran has uh, come in from from Leeds United, um, and we had a decent start. Uh, we. We did predictions on our podcast, as I'm sure you guys do at start of season, as to where you think we'd finish. And you know, the general consensus with was with the squad at the time, um, you know, we'd be lucky to stay up. Um, I think myself, I actually predict us to get relegated. Um, Carbran came in and, and got off to a, a fairly decent start and had us had us mid table. Uh, we had a little bit of a slump towards back end. At, you know, year, um, but we were always picking up the odd win. We were looking at maybe four points out of every three games, which you know is a steady mid-table form, really. And I think most people were happy with that, given the you know what's happened over the past couple of years and change of ownership in the club. We just we just needed a season to stabilise. But since Christmas, um, and ironically, since he got a, a contract extension, we extended his contract um, on christmas eve um up to the end of the 23 24 season and since then like you say just uh, just picked up two points and lost to plymouth um three two in, in fa cup at home so since since that new contract's come in he's he's not done so great uh, which is a shame really i mean looking at the uh at huddersfield's recent results dan from a neutral's point of view it does seem like you are dropping quite a few points from winning positions recently. You, you were 2 0 up against Wickham and lost, won the up against Borough recently and lost. I mean, we all know that uh, Corbyn was uh, Bielsa's assistant and we all know how Bielsa likes to set up his teams to, to be intense at the start. I just wonder if, and this is whether this is something town fans have talked about, if there's maybe a bit of post Christmas burnout creeping in, do you think? Uh, potentially, um, although a common theme for Huddersfield Town this season is um, losing or dropping points uh, from winning positions. I think overall we've dropped 23 points um, throughout the season from being in front. Um, so it's not particular something that's just crept in on this bad run of form. It's something that's been you know throughout the season. I think, like you say, it's a style very similar to what Bielsa played at Leeds. It's very uh, gung ho, like you know, just basically attack, attack, attack. Or certainly what uh, in the early stages of the season. Uh, we have been unfortunate with injuries. We've had uh, key players uh, on sidelines for, for lengthy spells. Uh, Josh Caroma, a top scorer, has been out a while now. We were hoping that he'd be back, but he's had another injury setback. Uh, Danny Ward, who were brought in at, uh, over the summer to, to play up front, he's 
rarely featured. I think he's completed 90 minutes once uh, this season. We've had constant changes in defence, uh, which which led us to bring on you know Andy, uh, Richard Keogh in, which I'm sure we'll you know move on to talk about. So he has had some. Um, obstacles in his way, shall we say, Carlos, in regards to keeping a, a settled side. Uh, but I think that one of the main concerns that's sort of creeping through now is is his sort of game management uh, and the way that once we do go in front, um, the way that he you know, sort of conducts the, the rest of the game uh, just don't seem to be able to, to adjust his style to see games out. Um, Wickham, a prime example of that last week, you know, 2-0 up at home against the team, bottom of the league, not, not one away in eight, lost the last five, barely scoring, and we end up losing 3-2. You know, it's just a, it's just a perfect example of not being able to see the game out. Um, and like I say, it's unfortunate because um, his early season form, you know, fans kind of put up with that because we were winning. Uh, we were playing nice football. Um, now, now we're throwing it away. Uh, we're not winning as much, and, f- and the, the football seems to have, you know, died off in quality as well. So, the, the, I won't say the net's closing in on him, but there's certainly a lot more questions being raised than than what there might have been, you know, back in the 2020. And you mentioned him just just then, of course. We have to talk about two of Huddersfield's most recent signings, uh, Richard Keogh coming in, having uh, previously spent eight years at Derby County, and uh, and Dwayne Holmes returning. Uh, Keogh first. What sort of first impression has he made on uh, on town fans? Um, first impressions, I think. Well, before we even signed him, because he played for us previously, um, I think a lot of fans instantly go back to that sort of memory. Um, he won. He were he, although he were a long time ago, he never sort of pulled up any roots with us. He were he were hit and miss. Um, so I think before I'd even got on the pitch, there were questions being asked. Um, obviously, given the, the history at Derby with the you know with the incident, which we, you know I'm sure has been talked about millions of times, so we won't rake over that. But. Um, me, me personally, I thought it was one of those standings that, although uh, one of those signings, sorry, that although um, it didn't wow me, it were, it were understandable. We were struggling for centre halves again due to injuries that we've had, and the next sort of centre halves available were really young lads. Um, so I think we brought Keogh in to show that bit of experience to help uh, Nabisar. Um, who was very hit and miss, you know, to sort of shore up the defence. And again, ironically, it's, it's had. Uh, no effect whatsoever. Um, I was just looking before I came on. He's, he's played six since since he came in. Uh, we've played six. We've won zero. We've drawn two, lost four, and conceded ten goals. Um, so, you know, the reasons why he were brought in it, it don't seem to have had any effect, really. Um, overall, I don't think he's played bad. Um, I, you know, there's been a couple of obvious errors. He, he made a shocking pass um, against Stoke, which led to a goal. Uh, for Stoke, which got them right back into the game, um, but yeah, it just doesn't seem to have gone as planned. Whether or not that's due to other factors rather than Keogh himself, he's obviously an experienced Championship defender. You know, he's played many, many times for Derby, as you say. Um, and, and generally, looking back as well, when you were, you know, top ten side throughout his, his stint at Derby, I'd say so. It's not like he's been in a struggling side. I just don't think he's had a bigger impact as what what we were hoping, really. I guess part of that is, is like you say, we can't really attribute that all to him. That you know, he's uh, there's got to be a collective responsibility there. But uh, Dwayne Holmes is a more familiar face, of course, to town fans, having come through the Huddersfield Academy and spent three years there between 2013 and 2016. Has he started straight into the first eleven? Yeah, again, uh, injury ravaged side. He, he came and he he's, he's slotted straight in. Um, 
again, a, a bit of a funny signing. He was apparently looked at in, in, in the summer, um, either last summer or we were going to bring him in, you know, look to bring him in this summer and we, we managed to get him early. Um, again, on paper, it looks a reasonable signing. It not, not really wowed me. Um, I think when you sign an old player um, and they've not in the first thing with you, you know, if he's an absolute legend and scored you, you know, hundreds of goals and stuff, when they come back, everybody's buzzing. But players like Dwayne Holmes, he were he was always a bit of a fringe player at the time. Granted, he was very, very young when he played for us in his first uh, first stint. He looked all right when he came on, scored a few goals. Um, seems to be brought in to, to fill a, wing, a winger's slot. I seem to remember him almost being like a sort of a number 10. I know everybody plays different formations now to what they did back then, but, you know, collecting that ball on half turn, central, and then driving at players, which is something that we've, we were lacking. Um, so, yeah, I could understand why we, why we brought him in. Again, he's not, much, he's not had that much impact, but, you know, when we're on a run of form like we are on, nobody's having any impact again. So it's, it's, it's not something that, you know, can be directly linked towards homes coming in. Um I think we're just we're just poor overall at the moment and anybody coming into that side you could put Lionel Messi and Ronaldo on either wing on in that side at the moment and I think we'd still struggle. Um you know it's just one of them things. On to uh Tuesday then. On paper it's uh it when Derby played town it's a team in very good form against a team in very bad form. Although we are speaking to you guys before Towns home game against Swansea so all that could change but in terms of Towns starting 11 who do Huddersfield need big performances from to get something from the game against Derby I feel everybody really uh, obviously you mentioned Swansea game you know looking at that on paper I can't see the fourth, you know, fourth farm table being turned upside down in that one but you know football's football in it and you never know but um, looking at Derby we, we really we're struggling in defence. That's the main problem. Um, if you'd have asked us, you know, fan base just before Christmas where we were struggling, pretty much everybody were crying out for a striker to be brought in during January. You know, uh, we, we, we create a lot of chances, but we don't score any. Um, problem is at the back for me, though. We just concede so many goals. I think there's only Wick- uh, Wickham in league that con- that's conceded. Um I'm a little bit old school. My my ethos would now be to stop conceding goals before trying to score them. Um, unfortunately, I think Carlos and Styley plays is let's try score more than we concede, um, which is obviously not working. Um, so I think for me, back five, you know, we've got Schofield in there. He's, he's a young keeper. He's, he's only played half a season at best. Um, Aritofalo's out. Um, through suspension I believe still for Derby um, so we're, we're a left back down we've, we've had a, a young lad Jaden Brown who unfortunately got concussion so he had to miss a couple of games due to that so he will probably be back and, and playing um, again not played much football Nabistar Keo as centre-halves and then you know Pippa as, as right back I think it's it's them five really that need to just show things up play simple um, you know Rose edit if you need be and just try and get some a point on board and you know an away point in championship is never a bad result really no matter where where you are in league right then lads that is the Huddersfield take on it then um Dan not particularly sounding that optimistic out of the game on on Tuesday um but if here's a hypothetical for you if you were in the ground for this game Derby v Huddersfield at Pride Park fans were allowed in and you saw Richard Keogh stride out of the uh, the Pride Park Tunnel, uh, do that thing he always does, where he does a pretend header before he jumps on the pitch. Um, what sort of reception 
would you give him, Kutch? And and how do you think he would have been received by uh, Derby fans if they were in the ground for that game? Um, I, I certainly wouldn't boo him. I I, I feel like I I reserve booing of players for people who have done something pretty you know pretty badly wrong. Uh, you can justify. Likewise, I wouldn't boo Dwayne Holmes. I wouldn't particularly applaud him. So I think the way he left the club wasn't great. Um, but I wouldn't boo him with Richard Keogh. I probably I probably would give him a clap. I wouldn't give him a loud cheer. I'd probably give him a little kind of little clap like this. Um, because, you know, over 300 games in Derby County, you know, part captain of, um, you know, one of our best teams, well, our best team of the last 10 years or so. Um, obviously, the way he left the club wasn't ideal. And and obviously, his, his involvement in, in that incident wasn't ideal. But look, I think the good definitely outweighs the bad of Richard Keogh. So I would give him a respectful round of applause. And in terms of the stadium... I don't know. It's a really hard one to call, actually. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you you boys think, but I think it'll be mixed. I think there would be pe- there would be people that uh, there'd be a few boo boys. Uh, I think generally, I think it'll be a positive a positive reception. I think the fact that we've been so poor for the last year now, and the club's in a mess, and maybe the, the sentiment towards Mel Morris isn't what it used to be, uh, I think would probably help Richard Keogh's cause uh, in that regard. I would say, I reckon. Um... I agree with you on Keogh. I think there would be some boos, but they'd be generally outweighed by respectful a respectful ripple of applause, I would say. But um, I'm just not sure Holmes would get a good reception, which I think no, would be I, unfair. I, but no, I don't think he would. He, he, Holmes wouldn't get... I wouldn't boo him, but I think he would get a lot of boos. It would be... It's, it's more recent. And yeah, the way he left um, and the way that he basically openly admitted that he was uh, sort of going for a move since, you know he has been going for a move for a few months. Fans remember that stuff. And they remember that he wasn't really in great form for the last few months of his career. Yeah, he had, um, he, you know, he had his detractors and he had people who gave him stick online, which wasn't deserved. Um, but yeah, Tom, I reckon for whatever reason, I'm not sure Holmes would have got the best reception if fans were in the ground for that game. Uh, yeah, I can I can see that because um, yeah, his comments, whether taken out of context or, or whatever, the way they were reported by the media, they left a bit of a sour taste. Like myself, you, and Kutch and my brother uh, Anton all had like a lot of time for Holmes. Thought he was a good player, um, but I do think that left a, a, a sour taste. So I think he would have got a bit of a, a frosty reception. I agree with you with, with Keo. I could see it being a mixture of like booze and a bit of a applause there, like a bit of a pantomime villain. Uh, but when the 60th minute comes up, comes around, and um, Derby a two nil up, and I could I could see the South Stand going Keo 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 as he uh, heads the ball out of play for another Derby corner from which we score our third. So, so yeah, it would have been a a, a nice mix there. <laughs> but I think overall the the sentiments are pretty nice towards him. Yeah, fair enough. I can't really say much fairer than that. Um, so as the table stands at the moment, uh, clearly it's going to change a lot. Over the weekend, we're recording late on the on the Friday night, but uh, Derby currently seventeenth, thirty four from thirty. Then eighteenth is Forest, thirty three from thirty. Nineteenth is Huddersfield, thirty three from thirty. Then Coventry, thirty one from thirty. Then Rotherham, twenty nine from twenty eight. So two games in hand. Uh, then in the bottom three is Wednesday, twenty eight from twenty nine. Uh, Birmingham, twenty eight from thirty. And Wickham, who are surely gone 19 from 29, um, 10 points from safety. Who's going? That's a simple question. Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs. I'd love to see one of those graphs that plots the respective positions mm-hmm. over the season of all those teams in the bottom eight, because it would just be 
mind-boggling. But who is going to be there at the end? Uh, well, yeah, as you say, Wickham must must be gone. Yeah, Birmingham City are in there and already you know, very much going in the wrong direction, lost their last three matches. The teams that are really going in the wrong direction are Huddersfield and Coventry. Um, as you say, Huddersfield lost uh, three of the last five, lost the last two. Coventry have lost uh, three of the last five as well, lost the last two. Uh, Rotherham United have lost their last two matches, but they've won two before that. And as you say, have the games in hand. I would, I would fancy Rotherham to stay out of it. I think Birmingham will go... I think it might be between Huddersfield and Coventry. Uh, QPR have put some wins together. I think Derby and Forest are obviously picking up uh, enough points now. So my my bet would be Wickham, Birmingham, and um, uh, I'm going I'm to say Huddersfield because I'd rather Huddersfield go down than Coventry, but I think it's between Huddersfield and Coventry for that last spot. I would say ouch, but um, when we spoke to, to Dan, he actually predicted himself that they get relegated at the start of the season. So it's not that harsh, really. Tom, what do you reckon? Can you better that? Any any other dark horses to go down, do you think? Yeah, I think Birmingham in a really bad way at the moment. And they, they were poor against us a month and a half ago. And I think Karanka's on borrowed time. So it only depends as to whether they sack Karanka and someone comes in to, to save them. Because otherwise, for me, I think they're goners. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday have got enough to get out of it. Uh, I think, as you say, Cups like Rotherham have enough to get out of it, despite myself uh, just before Christmas saying Rotherham were the team that you wanted to play against because they were conceding goals left, right and centre. Uh, I think they sh- shipped six against Coventry or Birmingham. It was definitely a St Andrews uh, at some point before Christmas. So um, the third team, uh, I don't want to call the third team. I think it's I think it's really tight. Um, I, I don't have a gut feeling. So I'm going to go Huddersfield because they're in the worst form, but I think it's definitely going to change and I, I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong with that one. I think Derby has still got a lot of work to do, but I think uh, definitely Wickham, most likely Birmingham, and maybe 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 Huddersfield. Well, the thing we've got the problem is for Derby. You know, we're, we're looking a bit better. Obviously, we've lost tonight, but we have been picking up points. Obviously, was it five from six before tonight? But we have got Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest next, two teams that are around us. Now, if those results go badly, both of those results go badly, we're definitely deep back in it. And that's the same for all the teams. As Tom says, it can change so quickly. I, I do think we've got enough. Um, but yeah, you know, we've got, I think we need to avoid losing to Huddersfield because that, that swaps around pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, six points from safety. Um, if we just win one of those games against Forest or Town, um, then we're just an extra little bit closer, I think. But yeah, I'd have to say Wickham probably blues as well because they just seem to be in free fall. And then, I don't know, it's really hard to call. I think Wednesday have got, Wednesday will sneak out of it, I reckon. Because you've got to remember they are on, um, they are, they, they should be where we are. They should be on 34 because we've got a points deduction. And um, so I think maybe Rotherham or Coventry, Huddersfield to stay up on goal difference on the final day when uh, Richard Keogh powers home a diving header in the last minute to keep him up on goal difference. That, <laughs> you know it's going to go one of two ways with Keogh. He's either going to do that or he's going to score the own goal that puts him down. Yeah, exactly. Um, either way, it'll be absolute box office stuff. Uh, <laughs> Tom, let's wrap it up, shall we? Uh, that is probably enough waffling from us on this particular pod. But um, fancy a quiz? Can we, uh, should we get quizzical just for the last few minutes? Yeah, I think it is a, about time to get quizzical. Um, and I've got a who am I for us, which is a, a classic for all of our regular listeners. So uh, the first clue is I was born on the 3rd of November, 1979. Kutch. Mo Konjic. Incorrect. Chris. Marco Reich. It's a good guess, but also incorrect. Second clue, I played 393 games during my career. 
and I scored 32 goals between 1996 and 2015. Catch. Seth Johnson. No, he's not 36 league goals. Bloody hell. Not that many games. Awful guess. Sorry. Chris. Gary Teal. Nope. Incorrect. Next one. I played for seven clubs during my career, starting at Coventry City. Uh, Catch. Spencer Pryor. It's a good guess. And I liked your Mo Konjic guess as well, because he was also at Coventry, but it's incorrect. Chris. Stern John. <laughs> oh. Didn't start. 30... Didn't start his career at Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 32 goals. No, unfortunately not, Chris. Um, now we're getting into maybe a little bit more easier territory. Some tough, tough start. Three of those league goals were for Derby County, but I scored 16 of those goals for tonight's opponent, Watford. Catch. Tommy Smith? Recently interviewed on Steve Bloomer's washing, but unfortunately not who am I. Uh, Chris Danny Dicchio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately not. I played 57 games for the Rams, nine of which were during a loan spell in 2009. Chris, John Eustace. It is the big man, John Eustace. Oh, yeah. well done. <laughs> He's got 36 goals. 32 league goals between 1996 Diamond. and 2015. 16 for his opponents. The Eust, what a player. See it out. He was, he, was a, he was a guy who could see it out, wasn't he? Uh, we're going to see it out now because that is the end of this pod. Um, just before we go, though, don't forget to uh, subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing. If you enjoyed the pod, you can uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Give us a follow on social while you're there as well for um, just my inane ramblings on Twitter, if nothing else, um, at Steve Bloomer Pod. And we're on uh, Instagram and facebook as well but we'll be back in a couple of weeks catch until then thanks for your time thank you very much cheers tom martin always a pleasure to hear from you as well all the best thank you very much speak to you soon